Hello and welcome back to Keeping It Current. I know what you're thinking, it's been far too long, but it really is a vital time in British politics and we're ready to give you all the latest gossip. That's right, we're back with an election mini-series where we over three episodes we'll be talking about the all things election. And we'll also be chatting with some of our candidates from our constituency, Penrith and the Border. This week we're joined by Ali Ross, who's the Green candidate. And Jacob Breed is back somehow. I don't know how he is back, but Jacob, why are you back? Well, um, for, you, you obviously can't see this because this is a, a, you know, a, a listening podcast. But there is a gun being held to my head. Um, I'm feeling frightened, I'm feeling threatened, and if you are listening, please do, uh, you know, get help for me, please, please. It isn't that bad, Jacob. As well, it's election time, as I said, and we'll be talking things like about the TV debates, the manifestos, and most importantly, what does the returning officer do when there isn't an election? So, it's time to get cracking. First, we're talking about the Tories and the Labour Party. Where to start with the Tories? I, I, I literally don't know where to start. So um, let's think, well, we've got to think about the Conservatives when you think about, they're, they're like a new right-wing Conservative party. They've like gone away from the cent- centrist May party into the right-wing Johnson party. And Jacob, do you think this is going to help their electoral fortunes? Well, it's an interesting point you raise, Thomas. And I'm, I'm not sure where they are on the political spectrum because yes you have on one hand this uh prime minister who's calling uh women who wear burqas uh, saying they look like letter boxes um he's proroguing parliament unlawfully he's going for no deal as a negotiating strategy and then all of a sudden he's got a deal which is, by all intents and purposes, quite a moderate Brexit deal, yeah. if such a thing exists. And in the debate last night, um, he referred to himself and to the party as a one-nation one conservatives, which is, uh, of course, a reference to that more moderate strand of conservatism. And the fascinating thing, and I think Boris is one of few people who can pull this off, is that he, he is almost a canvas onto whom you can paint what you want. As the Mayor of London, he was very liberal. As I said, in, in the run-up to him becoming Prime Minister and in those early months, he was very far to the right. Seems he's liberal again. But Nigel Farage the other week said the reason the Brexit party was standing down in Tory seats was because he was sufficiently persuaded that Boris would pursue a hard enough uh, future relationship with the EU. So other Tories in the middle, trying to hoover up moderate votes? Are they on the, uh, on the right, trying to hoover up Brexit party votes? Frankly, Thomas, I think they're doing both. Yeah, you're right there, because obviously some of the Tory target constituencies are Labour strongholds. Like, for example, in the news recently has been uh, Bishop Auckland, who's been, which has been a Labour heartland, and how... It's just, if Jeremy Corbyn loses that, that'll be a, a sucker punch to the Labour Party and there might not be any coming back for them, do you think? Um, I mean, I think, I think this raises several interesting points. The first of which is that Brexit transcends party lines. Um, and it's interesting to ask, is this a temporary phenomenon? And when Brexit is resolved, one way or another, will we revert to, to the kind of traditional order? Or permanently, is there going to be a political realignment, not around left and right, but around remain and leave? Uh, that, that's an interesting question. As to whether there will be the end of the Labour Party, um, I, I struggle. I mean, you can never say never, but when you look at Michael Foote uh, leading the Labour Party yeah. into one of their, 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 their the, biggest... The, very similar to Corbyn, I would Exactly. Say. And, of course, um, it was, um, you know, 25 years or however many later that Blair came in with a landslide, but no doubt about it, Blair came in with a landslide. Something clearly would have to replace the Labour Party. I don't think the Lib Dems... The, the Lib Dems are too 
gone too far the other way to replace the Labour Party, I think. Do you not? Um, Especially with their radical Remain strategy and then uh, considering that quite a lot of Labour voters in these working class constituencies did vote to leave as well. I mean, yeah, I mean, you could say if you think that there is going to be an enduring political realignment around Leave and Remain, then you've got certainly Leave in the Conservative Party. And may- maybe that's where the Lib Dems would overtake Labour because they would be the other party, they would be the party of Remain. Who knows? It'll be interesting to see, and no doubt uh, people will study this period with interest. Yeah, because people are saying, I saw Leyland Moran. Our good friend here, keeping it current, uh, on a BBC breakfast this morning, and she was saying about this. This is the Brexit election, but I mean, if it was the Brexit election, there would be another Brexit. <laughs> there would be another election once Brexit sorted out, wouldn't you think? Because you know, it's meant to be thirty first January now, and say if um, Boris goes right, you voted for this Parliament to um, do uh, the things that you wanted, but. If it is the Brexit election, then they just were voting in to deliver Brexit, don't you think? Um, and I think, I think that's the thing. It, a general election can never be a proxy for one issue. You can yeah. have issues yeah. which are more important, mm-hmm. perhaps. It, 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 it's interesting, the polls show yeah. that if you're a Conservative voter, you're much more likely to think that Brexit is the most important yeah. issue compared to if you're a Labour voter. Yeah, uh, so but, like health, education, the NHS. Exactly, when, oh, there, are so, when there are so many issues at play, whoever wins the election will, 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 will take with both hands a mandate for their entire platform, not just, not just Brexit. And that's a problem in that not everyone will be voting just on Brexit. So, ultimately, it's the election that will sort out, we presume, Brexit, but, um, you know, in a kind of fiddly-diddly sort of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, if we say about the polls at the minute, uh, the Conservatives are pulling at 45%, which is quite hard to believe, given that Boris Johnson seems to go from defeat to defeat in the Commons, and he's still, to 45% of the public, he still seems like an electable Prime Minister, given that he got, I think, his first few votes in the House of Commons as Prime Minister, he was defeated. And these are not small defeats. But, I mean, look for a historical precedent and you won't find one. But I think the thing is that um, people people realise that they can't hold Boris to account. They They can't blame Boris for the fact that his party at the minute it didn't have a working majority for Theresa May, among other things. You can't, you would probably say, blame Boris for breaking his promise to be out on the 31st of October. Because think, he was saying outrageous things. I'd rather be dead in a ditch than not leave on the 31st of October. Well, we didn't leave on the 31st yeah. of October. Yeah. But, you know, look at the debate last night. Corbyn wasn't, wasn't you know, using that as ammunition because it wasn't... It was, People, people struggle because, to pin this onto Johnson. Yeah, because uh, Boris Johnson's going to say, this, this wasn't me who was delaying Brexit, it was Jeremy Corbyn. Because in a sense, it kind of was, because they, his Labour Party were voting to get no deal off the table. But that's very understandable, given the uh, cataclysmic effects that no deal could have on the UK. I mean, the, the, the irony that uh, didn't go unnoticed was that uh, Boris said in the debate last night, that um, one of the biggest reasons for public mistrust in politics was the fact that Parliament had voted against Brexit, it hadn't delivered Brexit. Now, that, in, if it's one factor, certainly it, it isn't the only one. You'd argue, in fact, Brexit was a symptom of that you know, dis- disillusionment with politics. But what didn't go unnoticed was that Boris himself had voted against Theresa May's deal twice. Yeah. By living yeah. in... Uh, topsy-turvy times. Yeah, you know what you say about the Conservatives going on things other than Brexit. They are... I think they're going against, like, their old strategy. They are saying they're pledging some big investments, especially in the police, the NHS. Uh, but one thing that I think is lacking a bit in their um, manifesto, well, they haven't released it yet, but their policies, is probably the environment, which is going to be a huge issue in this election, don't you think? Yeah, and I think we're seeing that already. You know, just the, the fact that there was the, again, I'll talk about the, our, our debate last night, there were, there were one or two questions on the environment. I think 
when you look at uh, you know, the work of, of Greta Thunberg, when you look at the work of Extinction Rebellion, certainly this is an issue that's at the fore of, um, you know, of people's minds. And as a result, it's naturally going to, um, going, going to figure in election policies. Yeah, so as well, let's go more onto the Labour Party because um, Jeremy Corbyn, he's had a bit of a tip, topsy-turvy time as a, a Labour leader because he wasn't really fancied when they went into the leadership election in 2015. And then, obviously, there was another, there was a threat to his position in 2016 after the EU referendum. But then, he came, remarkably came and claimed 40% of the vote in uh, the 2017 election. But he never... Like capitalized on that period where he was really popular, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I I read an interesting thing the other day, which said he was uh, his he got the required number of signatures to be able to stand in the leadership election in twenty fifteen. He got them one and a half minutes before nominations closed, which tells you all you need to know, really. Um, and it, I, I think it's fair to say that had the 2017 election taken place but a few weeks later, he would, he would be our Prime Minister right now. Yeah. Because the momentum certainly was with him. He, 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 he turned around that 20-point deficit. Yeah. And as well, Theresa May reached the trough of her popularity when uh, she was responding to the Grenfell fire. Um, but... but but he's been buffeted about by Brexit, and people people perceive this is something he would ha- was hammered for in the debate. People perceive that uh, he's not got a position on Brexit. That he's trying to win. Yeah. That he's trying yeah. to tell, say one thing to one person, one thing to another. Yeah, that's the complicated thing about party politics because you got the um, you got to appeal to your members as well as your voters, and it's who do you want to. Uh, stick with and that's the case that Jeremy Corbyn's finding him in the minute is he wanting to be the radical leaver or the radical remainer for the public or is he wanting to stick with the party's policy which they've given him I mean it's an interesting thing because again it didn't go unnoted but he'd for so long said that he was going to do things differently he was going to listen to the membership but when the membership was overwhelmingly in favour of remaining in the EU, or certainly in favour of having another referendum, uh, in a fashion that was quite at odds with the general Labour Labour voters, who were a lot more split, um, and he seemed to be differing between that. But again, that's the thing. If I don't have the figures, but a great number of Labour seats voted remain and a great number voted leave. It, it, again, it transcends party politics and, and to an extent the Conservatives um, are, seeing, are seeing a similar thing. You know, it, will they be able to keep hold of their seats in Scotland? Certainly Ruth Davidson is a factor, mm-hmm. but so is Brexit. Uh, will they be able to keep their seats uh, that they won from mm-hmm. the Lib Dems in 2015 yeah, yeah. Uh, if they did in fact vote to remain? Yeah, it's one thing, again, you think, like, about uh, the Conservatives at the moment, you know, you go in, like, are they, um, especially with the, with the Brexit Party, you know, they're targeting seats like Workington, which has been, again, a Labour heartland, but the Brexit Party is still standing there and could still pose a major threat to the Tories, don't you think? Well, I think... Um... I think you're only looking. At, I, obviously, I don't have any data, but it would be a, it would be a surprise for the Brexit Party to keep on outperforming the Conservative Party in these seats. But the worry is that the Brexit Party will take enough votes from a Conservative to, Party, yeah. split the vote, and hand it to Labour or the Lib Dem. Yeah, that's the thing because you got to go like say. Uh, constituency of 60% has voted for leave, but then there's another 40% of voters, and then especially if you've got two Leaf parties fighting for them, for that 60%, you could end up getting a 40% and 20%, and then all the remain vote goes to one party. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, 
it's complicated on the Remain side as well because uh, Labour now are promising a second referendum and they're not saying if they're a party of Remain or Leave. Lib Dems are saying they're a party of Remain, revoke Article 50 straight away. So if you're a Remain voter, who do you vote for? Because they've got this Remain alliance, but remember that's only... That's only in 60 seats. That's only in 60 seats, and it's only between the Lib Dems, the Greens and Five Cymru. And it isn't between players. the SNP as well in Scotland, which yes, is... Yes. Um, you know, that's probably more because the SNP will see that as like maybe a sign of weakness that they're not wanting Scottish independence perhaps, to their voters. Perhaps as well, they, there really is a kind of um, irreversible difference of opinion over Scottish, uh, over Scottish independence. That is the raison d'etre of the SNP. And the Lib Dems fought against it in 2014 and, and their position still is against it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now we're going to talk about the other parties. Uh, first, let's talk about the Lib Dems, who um, I've got to admit, I've, I slide them out quite a lot on the show by calling them the Lib Who Dems, but they're definitely not the Lib Who Dems at the minute because they've been very, very much in the public spotlight. Don't you think probably as much as they were in the Clegg years, don't you think? Well, um, kind of the polls seem to suggest that a decent night for the Lib Dems would see them getting about 60 seats and certainly in, in terms of the number of seats that would take them back to the Clegg's. What we, what we mustn't forget is that during that fateful 2010 campaign there was one point actually after the first leaders Clegg event, was ahead in the polls, Clegg, yeah. Lib Dems leading the polls and there was genuine talk especially after the expenses scandal of yeah. 2009 there's strong sentiment against the two established parties people genuinely thought maybe that was the election that the Lib Dems were going to win for themselves and so although they did get into the government for the first time that election night was a bitter disappointment for them now are we realistically talking about a Lib Dem majority government it doesn't seem like we are but certainly it seems like they're, they're, they're seeing a research. Yeah, but um, Joe Swinton seems to think she's onto something by going, I am your Liberal Democrat for pre- candidate for Prime Minister. But the thing is, the Lib Dems are not going to get into power, really, realistically, are they? Because, you know, you've got to fight off significant challenges from, uh, say, in Scotland, the SNP, which is going to be a major thing to see how, whether the Scottish public back the SNP or they're back the Lib Dems, which I think is going to be very interesting to see. Also, um, James Winston seems to go on about saying she's a candidate for Prime Minister, she's going to have a majority and stuff like that. I, I know they're doing, they got about 16% of the polls, I think, and it's um, 16%, you don't think that's enough for a majority, do you? Especially when you've got Parties like the Conservatives yeah, at forty five percent. Even if that's a post is slightly disproportionate. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, they're at fifty fifteen percent of that. They'll only get that if um, there's only like a ten percent turnout or something like well, that. I mean, remember, re- remember as well that there are so many things that have happened in the past few years that no one would ever have expected to happen, and so I think you've got to say never say never. Um, but it, it, although at this point in time it seems unlikely. Yeah, because you know, you think like um, Liberal Democrats, you think they're going to go for more younger voters this time, don't you think? Because um, they are, younger voters tend to be more anti Brexit, they tend to be more like they care about the environment because it's directly them that they're going to be affecting. Like, I'm voting for the first time and I'm looking for someone who is pandering to the younger voters because. I heard Corbyn in 2017, but he's not, he's not really showing any signs of doing it now. So I think the Liberal Democrats have got a good chance, and especially in concentrated areas where there's a lot of students, don't you think? Well, well that's interesting, because when, when uh, Boris proposed the uh, date of the 12th of December for the election, the Lib Dems, and I think maybe it was the SNP as yeah. well, they said, we agree to an election, but we want it on the 9th. And to a large part, to point, that was political point scoring. They didn't want to be seen to be bowing to the will of Boris and him being able to dictate, come what may. Um, but also, the commentators suggested it was because on the 9th of December, students would still be at university. On the 12th 
12, they might be home. And of course, what this electoral system, you, you know, if, if you're a university student, you're going to vote Lib Dem, whether it's on the 9th or the 12th, whether you're yeah. at uni or at yeah. home. But because this electoral system yeah. depends on concentrated support, if you've got, uh, you know, tens of thousands of yeah. university students in one city voting Lib Dems, that makes a much bigger difference than if they're dispersed. Yeah, like, say, country. if you've got somebody who's living down, say, for instance in uh, Leeds or something or Sheffield you know you go down there and then they'll be like they'll be all in the huddles you know students uh, say especially as I say Leeds with three universities Sheffield's got two universities so there'll be loads of lots of students there and you think like you'll have like 10 going off to one constituency and then some of these constituencies will more like more likely than not be Labour or Tory strongholds so it's um it's a bit, I think it's a bit harsh on the Liberal Democrats that this could hurt them a lot, but then it's just the way things work. And, and yeah, yeah, and I mean, you've got to consider that um, elections always have been on a Thursday, and so this, this wasn't, I mean, maybe it was, maybe it could have been the week before, I don't know, but this wasn't Boris saying elections are normally on... Monday, and we'll have them on a Thursday so the university Radical changes. Um, it was the Lib Dems proposing something different. But there we go, Tom Shreddy, there we go. Yeah, so as well, let's talk about the SP as we've already touched on them. So uh, Nicholas Sturgeon is going very, um, obviously, going to say we want Indie Ref 2, as they call it. Um, she can't have said that she would be willing to go into coalition with Labour, but Jeremy Corbyn says he's not like completely abolished the idea, but he said we won't have a second referendum in the first term. But uh, Jeremy has flip-flopped all over the place like a gold fli- goldfish out of water. He, first of all, he said, yes, okay, we will give him a referendum. Then he said, no, we wouldn't. Then he said, if a, we wouldn't in the first term. Then he said, not in the first part of the per- first term. And he said last night, he got very, very passionate, admittedly, about it. He said, there are no deals done and there will be no deals done with the SNP. But I, I'm sorry, if Jeremy could be in number 10 with the support of the SNP, think he's, he's not going, chomping at the he's bit, not going to turn that down. Because not on your Nelly. Because especially at my Jeremy age, poor old Jeremy, about 70 years he? <laughs> he's not going to get another chance to get into number 10, is he? <laughs> I mean, if, if he sniffs half a chance, uh, you know, as the election results come in, of being able to implement his agenda, he will surely take it with both hands. I just don't, don't, don't buy this. I mean, the interesting thing is that obviously the Conservatives were never very strong in Scotland. They had a, a, a remarkable showing in 2017. 13 or 14 13 seats. 13 or 14 seats. But Labour, Scotland was always a heartland. Yeah, Labour. you know, and if you, even if you just go back to 2010, you see the red in the map is all Exactly. Over. You know, it begs the question, can Labour ever win a majority without the support of the SNP? If, if they're not regaining those seats. Because you think if Labour were to support the SNP, you know, some SNP voters might actually go and vote for Labour in a tactical way, saying, like, if they're living in one of them Conservative seats that, as you said, was um, won by the Tories in 2017, you'd think you may go tactical voting, like, I might vote for the uh, Labour Party because um, they're going to be, the SNP are going to be in government with um, uh Labour Party, the Labour Party, and you think as well, you know, you go on about the SNP wanting to leave the uh, leave um, the United Kingdom, and why would they want to give up such a fantastic chance to be in power of the UK to in favour of leaving? Yeah, cer- certainly, the SNP is chomping up a bit, um, and obvi- obviously, Labour will never say that they would want anything other than a majority government. But if push comes to shove. Surely, surely they would be able to. And then uh, the Brexit Party are an interesting enigma because they've only just been formed in, was it about May, April, May this year? And uh, the one thing is, Farage is not kind of playing on that thing that Boris went like, we need to leave on the 31st of October. You know, because I thought that in the weeks leading up to the announcement, I thought they would be playing on that a lot because, you know, they'd be going like, Oh yeah, this is a premise that lies to you. You want to vote for us if you want Brexit done. But I mean, that's the thing. It's hard 
to pin the blame entirely on Boris. But, um, you know, at the Brexit, it seems like the, since Boris won the leadership of the Conservative Party, the Brexit Party support has significantly reduced. Yeah. Now they're not standing candidates in so many seats. I might be bold enough to say that the Brexit Party have already served their purpose. They got Boris elected as the leader of the Conservative Party. More or less, Party. Um, quite ironically, the Brexit Party have turned the Conservatives into the Brexit Party, more or less. Yeah, think. yeah quite possibly. Quite yeah, and once they were top of the polls, actually, you've got to remember that there's that time after the European elections where you had the SNP about 23%, the Lib Dems around 20%, Labour on 90%, and the yeah, Tories on 17%. Way, you know, uh, which was interesting because I thought, I was thinking, what, there could be like about four parties who come and get about us. Uh, over 100 seats but, uh, well, I mean, at that time. But having said that as well, there were question marks then over, okay, these four parties get the same number of votes, but that's not to say that they get yeah, the same Yeah, because of, of the seats. electoral system. And you can, you can see, obviously, we, we did the other episode of it, yeah. but all the talk about tactical voting, all the questions about how, um, you know, how, how would number of votes tie into number of seats, it's all contingent upon our um, first past the post system. Uh, then we go on to the Greens who had a very, very successful um, European election campaign with their best showing yet and also they made significant gains in the council elections. Do you think that the Greens will um, fare any better than previous years because obviously they're part of that remaining alliance now, especially in places like Bristol which they're targeting I think yeah. and Sheffield Hallam was so? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it seems that they're targeting picking up another seat. And it, I mean, if, uh, if the Greens came away from the election with two or three MPs, that would be a big result for them. Mm. Um, I mean, I think you, it, you could say that the Green Party's achievement would be, alongside the other uh, environmental campaign forces, would be pushing for more mainstream parties to adopt these yeah. environmentally friendly you, positions. You know, obviously the Greens are the most radical, but the Lib Dems and Labour especially, but because the Conservatives do have... You see a similar thing in US politics when there's a third party like the Greens, like, think about Ralph Nader in 2000. You know, they, they get the other parties to co-opt their policies because they'll go like... Jeremy Corbyn could be the neighbour HQ. I don't imagine that he'll do this, but you go like, oh yeah, the, the young people who I targeted last time, who voted for me last time, are going to vote for the Greens because they care about the environment, you know. I mean, I mean the interesting thing about the Greens is that, um, so in, in Germany, for example, you have the Green Party, their, 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 their fundamental raison d'etre is uh, about environmental protection. But they are, beyond that, a kind of, left of centre party. You look at our Green Party, they're proposing, for example, um, a universal basic income. So they are, they are a party with an environmental focus, but also very far on the left. Um, and you've got to ask, is that limiting its, um, its potential for electoral success? Yes, so now we're going to be talking to a green, the, our green candidate, Ali Ross, who will be telling us all things about what the Green Party is wanting from this general election. Please welcome this week's special guest, the Green Party candidate for Penrith in the Border, Ali Ross. Hello, I'm very pleased to be here. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. So, first things first, how did you find out that you had been selected to be the parliamentary candidate? Well, we held uh, hustings within the, within the Penrith and Eden um, District Green Party, and we also invited um, potential, ca potential candidates to stand from the other neighbouring parties, because, oh. of course, Penrith and the Border is yeah. a bigger yeah, constituency, big constituency than, than, yeah. than, than are our local um, Green Party um, group groups, so we have obviously had to extend that that invitation um, beyond that, and in fact we had some external um, candidates uh -huh. that we looked at as well. Yeah. So we held a hustings, and there was a vote um, on that evening, and um, and I was I was very uh, fortunate to 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 get the most votes. So it, it all it yeah. all happened in one evening. That sounds very interesting because uh, have you been? Is this is one of my questions? But have you been like in touch with? Like your top uh, Green Party representatives, like Caroline Lucas and people like that, yeah. 
Not directly in terms of the yeah, selection yeah. process, mm -hmm. but obviously there have been events. Um, Caroline Lucas, I have seen at various um, yeah. um, events, um, and actually the week before last, um, you you may know um, yeah. uh, Gina. Um, I've forgotten her name now. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. Um, I wish I hadn't started that. Um, our MEP, um, whose name has completely gone out of my head, I feel terrible about that, Gina. Um, anyway, she launched our um, Green New Deal yeah. document for the Northwest region, and um, so I was there with her, and Natalie Bennett was there, our previous party um, leader. And we've had met, met, um, visits before from Natalie Bennett, and earlier this year we had um, our current co-leader, Sean Berry, came and visited oh, yeah, our local Green Party. That, yeah. So not in the context of this um, election campaign, but certainly over, over the period of the last sort of year or so, we've had some pretty high profile um, contact. So are you feeling like excited about this um, next few weeks? It must be, is it, or is it pretty, are you feeling pretty nervous as well? Like? Well, I suppose trepidation rather than, <laughs> rather than nervous. Yes, and also excited. And, and although having a snap election is never really the ideal for anyone because you can't really plan and, mm -hmm. and do as much as you'd like, um, there is actually an upside to it being over and done with, with, with a little bit more quickly <laughs> yeah. because you, you can pace yourself at, yeah. you know, and, and, and you, know, you know where the end point's coming. <laughs> so, um, but there's a lot to do in the time, obviously, so that, that, is, that is a challenge to try and you know, do as much as you can in that limited period. So I'm speaking more about the local area, so what would you offer to Penrith and the board if you become the MP? Gosh. Well, obviously, um, the the main priority will be will be to to promote the Green Party's priority um, sort of campaign um, issues, and absolutely at the top of that is action on on climate change and and the eco ecological emergency that we have, and that is as much or should be as much of a priority for Penrith and the border yeah. as it is for the rest of the country. Yes. We in the Penrith and the border region have experienced some of the some of the really devastating effects of climate change yeah. that have already yeah. that have already you know we've experienced in terms of flooding. Yeah. Earlier in this year, there were droughts and fires as well. You know, we know about um, crops of um, you know being failure from from the weather changes we've got. We also know from our wildlife that we've got problems with. You know the, the 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 seasons getting out of sync with our wildlife, and that has knock-on effects not only on our on our natural environment and the health of our um, ecology and our fells, yeah. etc. But it also has knock-on effects for our farmers because yeah. if if then if their crops aren't growing at the right time, that's that's obviously a problem, and they're not getting the, the you know they're not able to feed their animals over the winter if they don't get enough silage in, etc. So so, and of course people who live in in in, yeah. in, in flood prone areas mm -hmm. we, we know yeah, all course. too well what the risks are to them. Of them in the so so yeah. climate change the ecological emergency has yes. to be a top priority for us but also we are of course campaigning very strongly on brexit yeah as as are all, all the parties but also we have we have very strong policies that we are we, we're promoting on the wider issue of of um, equality within and and um, diversity within 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 society generally and the unfairness of the current sort of um, makeup of, of of our society and funding opportunities for local councils as well as schools hospitals etc so we have a, a very big social sort of yeah. program as well yeah, so what would you say like your flagship policy is the one that's going to get you them votes i really think that that, that climate change is, is mm -hmm. our top agenda item and i think there is such a huge groundswell of mm -hmm. recognition and concern about this as a problem um, that, that that's the one that, that, that you know, we're, we're, we're fairly confident is, go is, is going to resonate with a lot of people and particularly with young people because they're yeah, the ones yeah. who are so aware that it's their future yeah. and their future well-being um, that is so at risk. Because yeah. you think there's probably there's millions of people like myself who have turned 18 since the last election so you're thinking, I think you're probably going to have to like make sure that you're going to have to go for the first time voters because I think it's a pretty empty space now because Labour has kind of deserted that way, haven't they? Yeah. Well, just today, the the Labour Party seems to have backtracked a bit on the on the on the position they have been putting forward with regard to climate change and their yeah. Green New Deal and the targets they were looking at, which is really disappointing because actually we want all the sort of 
progressive parties to be, you know, really pushing this as hard as possible. So, yes, the Green Party is is definitely at the forefront. We have, of course, been, been you know, um, promoting this whole area for a long time. You know, we, we were first talking about a Green New Deal back in 20, 2008. Um, and obviously climate change has been very yeah. high on our agenda yeah. for a long time. It's been gratifying that other parties have been sort of jumping on mm. and realising that this is an yeah. important yeah. issue. But we really are the only party that is actually consistently yeah. keeping it at the top of our agenda and not sacrificing it for other interests that, 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 you know, that, aren't, that aren't going to be um, quite so keen on the sort of changes that are going to have to happen. Yes, yeah, so you say about how young, about young people, how it means a lot to them. You see, it's young people have been the for, at the forefront of the uh, like I don't know, say the war on climate change more or less, the fact that they're the ones striking off school, uh, missing valuable education, going, uh, going and protesting about an issue that means a lot to them. So it shows that how much it, it how much an important issue it is, doesn't it? Absolutely. The, 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 the climate strikes and the, the, the mobilisation of young people has been a tremendously powerful force in, in terms of, of pushing forward this agenda. And obviously that's, that's reinforcing. It's not just a... I mean, it is a very uh, emotional subject. Of course it's an emotional yeah. subject. People really care yeah. about their future and the mm-hmm. world around them. And, you know, I can understand it. I've got children and I do worry for them. I, yeah. You know, even, even if, if things don't go terribly, hor- horribly wrong in my lifetime, and the way we're going at the moment, it's certainly going to be going um, yeah. pretty badly wrong in, in my children's lifetime. And um, so, yes, of course it's important, but, but the, 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 the youth feeling and... and um, campaigning and, and demonstrating on this subject is, of course, reflecting a very, very solid scientific core of, of opinion. It's not like it's just emotional. Yeah. This is a well-founded, well, you know, reflection of a very strong and internationally high-level, you know, endorsed, you know, set of views from, from, from top scientists who, 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 who are equally very, very worried about yeah. the way we're going. So, um, going away from climate change, coming more onto Brexit, we um, obviously we've seen your party uh, strike a bit of an alliance with the uh, Liberal Democrats and Plaid Cymru. So, what are your like? What do you, what are your feelings on that? Brexit just is such a frustration. Mm. Uh, personally, it's to me, it's it's a, it's a, it's a, it was a referendum that should never mm. have happened, really, mm. because yeah. it is such a complex it issue. Was more it's pre- it, was pre- well, it was presented as such a black and white in out issue, but yeah, there's more to it. There's so much more to it. It affects every single aspect of life, and you could argue, I guess, the people who are against the EU, yeah. maybe that's part of their reason why they they get so yeah. uh, you know, uh, you know, anti anti the whole mm. EU debate. But the fact that it is, it's it's not just our trade. It's not just yeah. our. Um, our economy, it's our health, it's our science, it's our environmental standards, yeah. it's our employment standards, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, it's mm-hmm. so much more. It's our freedom to move, our freedom for young people to, 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 to go abroad, to travel, to, to, to study. Yeah. To, it's, it, covers, it, it, it affects so many aspects of our life, but even, even you know, such fundamental ones like peace in Northern Ireland. This wasn't even on the agenda. No one was even mentioning yeah. this back in 2016. Yeah. So to me, it's always been a huge frustration that, the, that this ever came down to a, to a, to, to, to a simple in-out vote in a referendum. Yeah. So my yeah. view is, mm-hmm. we know a lot more now. The general population understands this is a much more complex issue now mm-hmm. that affects so many more yeah. aspects of yeah. our life. And that if they were given their choice again, mm-hmm. I think they would have a much more nuanced and a much more um, considered view about about what what is actually in the UK's yeah. best interests. So thinking more again on that alliance, do you think that's going to help the Green Party push their agenda? Well, the the fact that, that we have a, a, an alliance that means that, that there is a, a a reciprocal arrangement, so that we can try to maximise the Remain yeah. vote, is obviously it, that's a good yeah. thing. We want to make sure there is a a stronger Remain presence in Parliament, and by by doing that and having a sort of corporate, you know, a, a um, reciprocal sort of a, arrangement is 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 a good thing. I mean, yeah. there is you know. 
there is, uh, you know, some very strong, strong um, Remain voices out there, and we certainly don't want to be tripping over, you know, uh, counteracting yeah, yeah, and, and, and tripping yeah. over each other to 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 um, and and then jeopardise getting getting the right outcome. And the fact that this could be a very positive thing, especially for uh, you as the Green Party, that the fact that say uh, the Liberal Democrats they could be implementing some of your policies, like especially the environment one. Well, the, yes. I mean, the, the Lib, Lib, Lib Dems have come, are coming out with stronger environment policies, um, and if if they can, if we can find areas where there is there is common ground and 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 support those. But you know, we ha- have to recognise that each of the parties will maintain our own priorities and our own policy direction, and we're certainly not going to get subsumed or or, or diluted <laughs> yeah, by other yeah, parties that yeah. may not be as strong as in uh, you know on on different policy yeah, areas as yes. we are. But what we have agreed to do is to tactically step aside in certain yeah. seats, so, certain seats, so that we can actually make sure that yeah. the remain remain. Yes vote in Parliament is is, yeah. is maximised where, where we where we can do so without compromising our own party's, you know, principles. Yeah, so why is it like the Green why does the Green Party think it's in the best interests of the whole country to stay in Europe? Well, the <sighs> Europe has provided a lot of things that have been major improvements for yeah. for, 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 uh, for our uh-huh. country and for our for the people of our country. Yeah. Most basic thing, the most fundamental thing, yeah. it's we've had the most since we've had the EU in place, the longest period of sustained peace yeah. within this uh-huh. European bloc that mm-hmm. we've ever seen. And yeah. that obviously is is immeasur- immeasurably important. From my point of view, my I come from an environmental background yeah. and the legislation and regulations we have in place for protecting wildlife, endangered species, habitats, air quality, water quality, our bathing waters, all of those regulations and laws have come from the Euro- from European legislation uh-huh. and have then been you know the birds protection oh I could I could carry on speaking for yeah. a very long time. Yeah. All of those are, are rules and regulations and laws that we have then um, had to adopted as part of uh, being in Europe, and you know, arguably, arguably the the UK would have uh, performed a lot less strongly, strongly, or a lot worse on yeah. all, all those areas had they not yeah. been within that framework. And also, the EU provides a, 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 a an enforcement mechanism if countries are not meeting their standards on air quality, on water quality, on all those all those requirements Mm -hmm. then there is actually a mechanism you know that could result in us being prosecuted and fined if we don't actually comply so it's it's provided huge environmental benefits to the uk but also on other issues um in terms of human rights in terms of our employment rights in terms of um our employment conditions and 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 um, um and you know many other benefits scientific research projects and the funding, regional funding for different areas of our country that are actually being quite deprived have benefited hugely from from development and support mechanisms that have all come through the EU. So the list of, of, of benefits and advantages that we've had from being in the EU has been massive. Also, from a, from, from a social point of view, yeah. personally, I think we have... But, gained immensely from having a, a broader outlook on, on cultural diversity and national yeah. diversity. Mm-hmm. And that's worked both ways. You know, it's not just a matter of people are coming into, into our country mm-hmm. and we've had a lot of benefit from those people who've come to our country, from doctors, from nurses, from people who work in the care sector, from scientists mm-hmm. to, um, to f- people who work on our farms, in our food mm-hmm. production, but also British people have had the same opportunities yes. to travel and yeah. work mm-hmm. and study in, in all those, mm-hmm. you know, European countries yeah. with very little constraint and, you know, lots of benefits. So, um, obviously, your campaign's in full swing now. So what has been your favourite part of the campaign so far? Well, we've been holding um, stalls in the main population centres. I mean, as you'll know, Penrith and the border is a huge geographical area. Yeah. It's the largest ge- geographical ward in in certainly England, possibly England and Wales, I think. Um, so it's 
impossible for us to get yeah. round and knock on doors and speak mm-hmm. to people. We can only do that in a fairly sort of restricted way. But holding what we're doing is holding stalls in the main top population yeah. centres. So we've been in Penrith um, last Saturday. I was in Wigton, yeah. and just making myself available um, to speak to people who are there and yeah. hand out information and our leaflets. And it's a really, it's a really engaging and rewarding yeah. process. Of yeah. course, you'll get people who aren't interested. We do get a fair number of people who just say, "Then it's not just they're not interested in the Green Party; they're just completely switched off politics, yeah. mm-hmm. and they, you know, they, they've had enough, and they're not going to vote." And that's a sad thing. And you can maybe yeah, try to engage sad. them, mm-hmm. um, but actually, just talking to people about what we're standing for and explain, you know, ex- getting the chance to explain that to people is. Actually, it's a really, it's a really rewarding and and um, interesting process. But also to hear their views, you know, why they're they're you know thinking about voting the way they're voting, what their concerns are. It's 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 good, you know, speaking to people one to one is a great privilege yeah. and a very very interesting process. So when when you think of MPs, you don't think of like you just see the people in Parliament. So I'm going to ask you a few questions about what about what you think about yourself as a person because obviously there's been a lot of um obviously our previous MP Roy Stewart there was a lot of people suspected him for being a spy so <laughs> so uh the first one that I've got is what would you say that your best traits are well I think I come from a campaigning background yeah. so I'm an environmentalist uh, is my background that's 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 where where I sort of where my sort of main part of my career was so campaigning involves having to research the background of your your subject matter perhaps even you know write up reports yeah. it could be letters it could be um, you know technical documents get yourself well informed and yeah. then being able to articulate mm-hmm. it and that mm-hmm. might be talking to individuals like yeah. you mm-hmm. it might be talking to the media the press yeah. and, and and radio etc and it might be actually addressing you know public fora or even mm-hmm. specialist fora you know com- you know committees or, or or whatever and i think because of the background I've come from, yeah. I'm quite used to that process yeah. of having to, mm-hmm. to research and get myself you know, well acquainted with, with yeah. my subject matter and then being able to argue it and, and, mm-hmm. and, and communicate. So I'm hoping that that's a good strength. Yeah. But really, um, I suppose also as a, as a um, if you like, uh, personally green yeah. sort of person, I do have a, you know, a passion about you know, my subject yeah. matter and, mm-hmm. and, and it's mm-hmm. not just the environment, it's also about the wider social... Yeah. Um, um, justice, the social justice aspects of 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 the Green Party policies yeah. that I, you know that I personally you know feel feel very driven by and very yeah. passionate about. Yeah. So yeah, because I think um, Jen, I think always the best people in certain fields are more the passionate people than the people who are maybe really good at it but don't put as much work mm. into it. Like it's just um, if you see somebody's passionate about something, then you know that. It means something to them. Then. Yeah. So uh, next question is um, well, we've been uh, we've been told this would probably come up in our university interview. So, uh, if you were an animal, what animal would you be? <laughs> <laughs> if I were an animal, what animal would I be? Gosh, that is a really, really, really um, difficult one. I mean, I suppose from a from a from a from a campaigning sort of point of view, I've sometimes been likened to a terrier, <laughs> being a little bit a little bit sort of t- tenacious about it. I'm not saying I particularly want to be a terrier because personally, I have a I have a collie dog, and yeah. my collie dog and terriers don't tend to. It's not it's not an easy sort of. Um, yeah. relationship that but um, I think having a bit of tenacity about about what you do and you know a, a sort of determination yeah. to win an argument if you like and to get your point across and not to drop things easily is yeah. um, probably something that sits me. if I could think of another another animal that was a bit like a terrier I'd say that <laughs> <laughs> so my final question for you is what is your favorite pastime outside of politics um, well, I, I'm not going to put it down to one. I've got two real passions outside of my, my, my politics and, and my, my, my environmentalism. One is music. So I, um, I'm, a, I'm a keen... I, I enjoy listening to live music about yeah. a whole, whole range, but I also sing, so I, I sing with Penrith Singers. Uh-huh. So um, that's my... And you know, I I, I I will never miss a rehearsal if if yeah. I can. Wednesday night is sacrosanct. I go to my rehearsal and I really enjoy that in performance. 
Um, but also, I love being out in the fells. I live, you know, out yeah. in a rural area, yeah. and I live there because I absolutely love it. And so I've got a dog, and I have a perfect excuse to be out in and enjoying the natural environment in the Lake District. So it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. And so thank you very much to this week's special guest, Ali Ross. And uh, now this is a new thing for the show. Our special guests are not leaving empty-handed. You may have heard about the All-Star Mr. and Mrs. Clock, the Pointless Trophy, the Blue Peter Badge. Well, you, you Ali Ross, are coming, going home with the Keeping It Current Pin Badge. <laughs> Thank you. And before I go, can I just quickly apologise hugely to Gina Dowding, who is our Green MEP for the North West, whose name I forgot earlier. <laughs> Thank you. But at least you've made the menace now. OK, so now it's time for a quick summary of this week's show. Right, what a great episode it's been. It's been great to be back, hasn't it, Jacob? Yeah, absolutely spiffing, Thomas. I, you know, I, 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 I'm wearing my Keeping It Current underwear. I'm so excited. Yes, and uh, it's, it was our absolute pleasure to speak to Ali Ross. She was absolutely fantastic. I, I wish her all the best in her electoral campaign. That was a major coup. You know, you've got the, the big boys lining up now, Thomas, to, 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 to you know, appear on Keeping It Current. And next time we will be joined by even more parliamentary candidates. Jacob is very shocked at that, aren't you? <laughs> no, I, I can't wait. I really can't. But, but ladies and gentlemen, can I just say that Thomas had his interview, at, at the time of recording, Thomas had his interview with the Green Party candidate, yeah. Ali, uh, two days ago. And he texted me to say what a great interview it was. She was saying some fascinating things. He said, oh, great, what like? I can't tell you, Jacob. You've got to wait. <laughs> and I, I thought, if I've not been paid in money all these years, at least I could have been paid in a little bit of a sneak preview. But no, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm, I'm with you. Looking forward to, to hearing it. So yeah, next, the next episode we were talking more about the election, but of if course. The, if, <laughs> the, if the Russians are there, if you did happen to hack Thomas's account and release that interview, you know, like you did on WikiLeaks for Donald Trump when he asked you, that would be much appreciated. Uh, so, yes, next week we'll be talking more about um, the election and we will be looking through the party's manifestos, which is going to be very interesting. So, sadly, that is the end of the show. Thank you very much to this week's special guest, Councillor Ali Ross, and thank you very much again for your dull, <laughs> depressing... Depressing, maybe. Quite, quite, quite honest, I would say. Political analysis. Thank you, Jacob Reed. Thank you for having me. So, join us next time where we will have more election candidates and we'll be having more gossip on whether the returning officer likes Nando's. So, join us next time where we won't be keeping it cool, but, but we, we will, will be, be keeping, keeping it current. current. Goodbye. <laughs>